Good morning, everyone. As I just said, my name's Meredith, and I'm part of the Trinity Paraka Church family. I'm about to read from Luke 18, so if you'd like to follow along on the screen, or there's a church Bible, or perhaps you've got your own Bibles or devices. So Luke 18, I'm reading from 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How many times have you heard stories of Christians behaving badly? All too often, I presume. Like the Westboro Baptist Church who go to the funerals of soldiers in the United States who died and they talk down about those soldiers. Or the big megachurch pastors uh, who hear, you hear about their churches that implode because, well, they've been a bully or their leaders have mishandled money. Or the stuff from the Royal Commission here in, in, in Australia People who were supposed to teach God's word and care for the needy and instead they prayed on them. It's awful stuff. And that's the stuff that might make it into the media. But but what about all the other things that happen that, that no one ever really hears about? But it does affect the lives of everyday people. You know, the pastor in a small church who has an affair with someone from his church, and it tears families apart. Men who go to church on a Sunday, but then abuse their wives the six other days in the week. Or even just that that churchgoer who constantly looks down on everybody else as if they are better. When you see this stuff, it's got to make you wonder... If this is what Christianity produces, if this is what happens to you when you become religious, then what's the point of it all? It's not worth it, is it? Forget about it. And that's one of the things that people in our society are noticing. Um, Through August and September, people from our church, we went around and we asked this question to our friends, what would make God worth believing in? And a lot of people spoke about this problem. Perhaps God would be worth believing in, If only Christians were better people. Take a look at some of the responses to the questions we got. If Christians didn't continue to commit hurt and murder others, particularly their families and wives. If Christians didn't promote their Christianity to others despite leading non-Christian lives. If wars were not fought over religious differences. This next one, though, I think really sums it up perfectly. The issue isn't so much whether I believe in God, but whether I think Christians are embodying the right message. And that's what people are saying. So today, that's what we're going to consider. 
if Christians do all this stuff, why should I bother with God? Today, there's, there's, there's three things I really want to say, and here's the first one. Christians can get it wrong, and Christians do get it wrong. I mean, I've already pointed out a couple of examples, and there's no use trying to ignore this fact, is there? Because uh, it's true, Christians have done wrong. And, and can I say, friends, we'll keep getting things wrong. It's not an excuse, it's just the reality. And actually, something that makes it all the more worse is when we act as if nothing bad really happened here. Like, you know, the pastor who's been sexually immoral or who's been a bully, and they have to leave their role because of it, they can't stay on. But, but lo and behold, you know, six months later or 12 months later, they're back with a new church or a new ministry, and it's as if nothing ever happened in the past. If we, we can just forget about it and move on. Or the man who abuses his wife, and, and he insists what he's doing is all right, because the Bible says it's okay. As if God would ever endorse punching on, on, on a wife. Look, friends, Christians have, Christians can, Christians will get things wrong. And it's sad when that happens. Throughout this morning, I, I want to give a few key, simple takeaway points. Um, and here's the first one. Where we've done wrong, we, Christian people, need to say sorry. Where the church has done wrong, we can't ignore it, we need to apologize. So I want to say to you, if you're here today and you're someone who's been wronged by Christians in the past, uh, I am sorry. What happened to you shouldn't have. Uh, it was wrong uh, I'm sorry. And if this is something that you need to talk about, um, I want to say, come come and chat to me. Come and chat to Ada, who's, who's been leading us through this morning. Um, we'd be very happy to listen to you. And if you're here today and you're someone who is a Christian and you know you've been treating others wrongly, uh, what, what about you then? Look, if what you're doing is criminal, you need to confess and you need to go to the police and tell them. But what about the other stuff? Other stuff that's not criminal. But, but like that person who, who just sees themselves as superior, who looks down on everyone else with judgmentalism, or who's just really not nice, what do you do then? Uh, if that's been you, I want to say, you need to apologize. You need to admit what you've done is wrong. And you need to say you're sorry. You need to ask for forgiveness. And you need to stop it. You need to repent. You need to stop what you're doing. Christians get it wrong. And when we do, we need to say sorry. But this begs a question. Why do Christians get it wrong? Like I said, there's a difference between the priest who got found out with the Royal Commission and, and, and the Christian who just thinks they're better than everyone and treats everyone poorly. There's a difference between those things. But, but why do Christians get it wrong? Uh, can I actually flip this question over? Why do we expect that Christians would get it right? 
Uh, why do we have this impression that Christians are supposed to be good people? I think at least part of the reason is there's an idea out there, and the idea is that Christian, Christianity is really about um, moral improvement. It's about making someone into a better person. That's what Christianity is. That's kind of why I got sent to a Christian high school. Probably my parents were hoping that uh, I got a better education, although I'm not sure they got what they signed up for. But also, there was this expectation that, that I'd get some good morals out of it, right? It's a Christian school, after all. That's what they're supposed to do. But actually, that is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about making you a better person, a more upright and moral person. So here's the second big thing I want to say today. Christianity is for bad people. Here they go. I didn't mess that up. Christianity is for bad people. We saw that in the passage that Meredith read out for us a moment ago. Uh, Jesus told a story of two men. They're both on their way up to the temple to pray. And that is where the similarities between them end because these two men are very different men. Today, we're likely to misunderstand the parable. We often look at the Pharisee and go, you know, he's clearly the bad guy. The tax collector gets our sympathy. But back in Jesus' day, the people Jesus was talking to, they understood things very differently. For them, the Pharisee is your classic good guy. He's known for his good deeds. And not in like a goody two-shoes kind of way where everyone really sniggers at him. People look up to this guy and respect him. He's the kind of guy, let's put it in modern terms, he's the kind of guy who would help out at the local primary school. He's probably signed up to be a volunteer firefighter to saving homes over the summertime. Have you looked up his Insta feed? He's got photos of him out and about on Clean Up Australia Day. And still somehow amidst all of this, he finds time to coach the under eight soccer team. This guy is a good dude. Not so much the tax collector. Everyone knows the tax collector. And everyone knows he is a bad apple. Uh, from time to time, you'll hear stories from back in World War II in France where these mayors of French towns, as the Nazis were invading through, these mayors would take bribes from the Nazis to betray their whole town. That's the tax collector. He's made a deal with the occupying Romans, and the deal is he extorts money out of his own countrymen, so he makes the Romans rich, and he makes himself rich all at the expense of his own people. So they curse the ground that he walks on. He's the kind of person that if he was in your family, you'd try and keep it a secret. Or you'd deny it. Because you just don't want to be associated with this kind of guy. He, the tax collector is known to be a thoroughly bad man. Those are the two guys. Completely different. And now take a look at what they pray, because what they pray is also completely different. Firstly, the good guy, the Pharisee, look at what he prays. He says, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. 
even really call this a prayer? All he does is talk about himself. Now let's look at the bad guy's prayer, the tax collector's prayer. Verse 13. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here is a guy who knows he's not good. He knows he can bring nothing to the table. And so all he does is cast himself onto the mercy of God. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. These are the two men that go to the temple to pray. One of them is a good man, one of them is not. But in verse 14, Jesus says, Only one of them is justified. Only one of them is accepted by God. And it's not the good guy. It's the bad guy. See, the good guy thinks that he is good enough all by himself. But the bad guy realizes he's not. And this is the key here, friends. Christianity is not about being the good guy. It's recognizing that you're not the good guy. God isn't looking for goodness in you as if any of us could reach that level of goodness before God. God is looking for humility before himself. Look at verse 14. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Friends, this is not what we expect. But Christianity... Is for bad people. And actually, that's what Jesus has been saying all along. Jesus says he came to this earth for sinners, for bad people. Uh, Meredith read to us from Luke chapter 18. But in the very next chapter, we see Jesus tell us, we see Jesus tell us what his purpose is. In Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus, he has a meal here with it. He goes to a tax collector's house, has a meal with a tax collector, and the people grumble about it. Look what they say. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. How do you reckon Jesus would respond to that claim? Well, this is what he says in verse 9. For the Son of Man, and this is, way of Jesus, this is Jesus' way of talking about himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, the sinners, the bad people. That's why he's having lunch with a tax collector. It's why he came to earth. Jesus, this is his purpose in life. In fact, he is so committed to it that Jesus dies in order to achieve his purpose. To save the lost, the sinners, the bad people. Now think about Jesus for a moment. Consider all the things that Jesus could have done with his life if he wanted to. Um, if the Bible's true, Jesus could do miracle healings. Imagine for a moment if Jesus had committed himself to doing miracle healings all his life. Imagine the, the, the lives that would have been impacted the Bible talks about Jesus being a great teacher. 
Imagine if Jesus had committed himself to that for all his life. Imagine the movement and, and the great education he could have given. And yet, he does not see that as he does not see either of those as his purpose. When he talks about his purpose, Jesus says he came to die. You see it in this verse from the Bible. Again, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christianity tells us that Jesus died, but his death wasn't an accident or a mistake. In fact, it is why he came. It's because as he died, he took the badness on himself the sin of people like the tax collector the wrongs that regular people like you and i have done he takes that on himself he takes the shame of that he takes the punishment of that on himself and as a result he can offer mercy to every bad person who sees their great need for him do you see friends Christianity is not for good people. It's for bad people. Now, this is not an excuse for you, Christian, to keep doing bad stuff. But it is a call to all of us, to every person, to come and be forgiven. You don't have to put a mask on that says, I'm all right here, nothing to see. You don't have to go around pretending that you don't make mistakes, that you don't stuff up. But come to Jesus. Fess up your past and your wrongs and find mercy and forgiveness in him. That's really the second little take-home point for today. Is that we all need God's mercy. And Jesus offers it to us all. So I want to say to you today, if God is calling you to him, don't ignore that. Come back to him today. Accept his offer of forgiveness. Accept his mercy today. And look, if that's something you want to do, come and grab me later. Grab Ada later. Grab someone you trust, a Christian you trust. We'd love to be with you as you take that first step into a forgiven life. At its heart, Christianity is not about making you the best you you could possibly be. Christianity is for bad people who recognize they need God's mercy. That's not an excuse for Christians to do bad stuff. But it changes our expectation of what a Christian is. Christians are not perfect people. And yet, here's the third big thing I want to say today. Jesus changes his people. Christians are those who come to Jesus admitting they're not good, that they need his mercy and forgiveness, but Jesus doesn't leave his people like that. He changes us. In fact, lots of the Bible talks about this change. And I, I popped up something on the screen there. This is a passage from a part of the Bible. And it talks about the, the kind of changes that Jesus brings about. Um, now, you don't need to read the whole thing there. Um, 
it's probably too small a text for you to read, but, but this kind of passage talks about the way that Jesus changes every aspect of your life. Everything from sexual ethics to inner desires to speech and motivations to how you do interpersonal relationships and how you deal with relationships breakdown and, and on and on and on it goes. It's a varied list. It covers all of life. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't say that this change happens like a magic trick. You know, a magic trick where you say some special words and there's a puff of smoke and then suddenly you're a new person. Jesus says it's not like that. Jesus says this kind of change he brings about is more like a renovation. Now, a couple of weeks ago I told you I don't ever want to do a home renovation. I'm pretty useless as a handyman. I think I would break more things more than I would fix them. Uh, but I have spoken to people who've done some home renovations in the past. And the thing I've heard is, it doesn't happen overnight. Right? It takes time. Right, Anthea? Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're going to do over your bathroom, right, you've got to be prepared the shower might be out of action for a little while. And that's what it's like with Jesus changing Christian people. Well, it happens, but it's not the, the magic trick. Poof, and there's a new person there. It takes time, and yet bit by bit, slowly but surely, Jesus is changing his people. Some of us might start off with uh, bathrooms that have been out of action for 12 years and need a lot of work. Some of us might start off, we're okay, we don't need as much work, but, but all of us need change. And Jesus changes bit by bit, slowly but surely. And the point here, friends, is, is that Christians are not the finished product and so we shouldn't claim to be. We still stumble. We're still going to make mistakes. We'll still hurt others, even though Jesus is changing us. Which is why when we do make those mistakes, if you're, if you're one of the Christians in the room now, we need to own up to it. We need to apologize, ask forgiveness, and stop. Repent. Stop doing what, what's wrong. But of course, you can see this change taking place, even though it's bit by bit, slowly but surely. You, we can point out plenty of times where Christians get it wrong. I reckon you can also point out plenty of times when, when Christians have done good. Like back in the time of the slave trade. In England, it was a Christian man, uh, William Wilberforce, a Christian man who was driven by his Christian convictions that stopped the slave trade in the UK. Or look at the many charities around us today. So many of them have their roots in Christianity, from World Vision to Red Cross to the Salvos, and on and on it goes. And then there's just also the everyday, regular Christians doing stuff that never gets spoken about. But if you look closely, you'll see it the change that Jesus has brought about in their lives. Because slowly but surely, Jesus does change his people. But on that, I, I do just want to say one thing. Christian change won't always mean that you agree with the culture you're part of. Christian change doesn't always mean that you agree with the culture you're part of. Sometimes... Jesus will ask his people to be different from those around them. 
What then? How do you deal with that difference? This is the third little take-home point for today. And I'm particularly talking to the Christians in the room. You don't have to agree with everyone. That's impossible at the best of times, right? And Jesus will ask you to disagree at times. But that does not give you license to treat people badly. Even in disagreement, we have to treat others well, treat others properly, with decency and humanity. Okay, where have we been today? We see Christians doing wrong. So does that mean that God is not worth bothering about? I wanted to say no. He still is worth it. Because Christianity isn't about being a good person. It's actually for bad people. And that's not an excuse to keep doing bad stuff. In fact, Jesus is, over time, changing his people. So when we stuff up as Christians, we need to do those three things. Apologize, ask forgiveness, stop it, repent. Before we go, though, I just did want to give us two more take-home things. Ready? Here's the fourth one. What if I see a Christian doing the wrong thing? What if I see a Christian who's acting in a way that is not Christian? Uh, Sometimes it might be right to ask a question. Hey, why are you doing that? Uh, It just uh, comes from a point of... We, we might not see the full picture. Sometimes it might be right to ask a question, but, but look, if it's wrong, you need to call it out as wrong. That's just the right thing to do, isn't it? Call it out as wrong and ask the person to stop it. Uh, fifth and final little take-home point. Make up your mind about God based on Jesus. Not the worst of his people. Let me explain. Uh, There's a time I I went to to the footy. It was when I was living in New South Wales. So um, instead of AFL, it was the NRL. And my team, the Knights, were playing against the St. George Dragons. I remember nothing about the game. I can't tell you the score, who won, although it probably wasn't my team, let's be honest. Um, But I do remember what happened in the car park after the game. A fight broke out between some fans and it was brutal. So much so there was a number of people walking away with with blood trickling down their faces. Can I tell you what my first reaction was? St. George. Typical. Their team sucks and their fans are worse, aren't they? Now let's be honest. That's probably a tad unfair of me, isn't it? Because most of the St. George fans weren't punching on. And let's be honest, their team, they don't really want their fans doing that sort of thing, do they? No. I think there's a parallel to draw here. How do you figure out if believing in God is worth it? Well, I get that Christians might disappoint you. But don't write off God based on the worst of his people. The best way to figure out if God is worth it is to look at Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus shows us what God is truly like. He is the ultimate revelation of God. 
And what do you see when you look at Jesus? I see someone full of compassion. Someone who's, who's gentle with those who are hurting. You see a leader who, who leads, not by cracking the whip on people, but by serving them. You see someone who does what's good and right again and again and again and again. Don't just take my word for it. Check it out yourself. Pick up, pick up the Bible. Pick up your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, take one of ours. There's some on the back table there. We haven't put our name or anything in them, so you can take it home and no one will think you've stolen it from us. We want it. We, you're welcome to have one. But pick up your Bible and find one of the biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, these biographies of Jesus' life, and see for yourself what he's like. And as you're reading, talk about this with a Christian that you know and trust. Ask them your questions. Tell them what you're thinking as you go through it. Actually, why don't you come to the Life Series with us? The Life Series is set up for people like you, people who are trying to have a proper look into Jesus to see if he really, can be, if he really would be worth it. Uh, it starts on the 7th of November, just for five Mondays. We're at the Highbury Hotel. It's relaxed. You know, food and drinks are on us. And we're just going to go through the basics of Jesus' life. What did he say? Can you trust him? What, what does it mean for you? We'll go through the basics and, and you can make up your mind for yourself. You know, even now, you might not be sure of it. Why not, why not just give the first week a try? If you don't like it, well, at least you tried. But if you want to know whether God is worth it or not, you need to check out Jesus. We're actually going to go to a video now. We're going to hear from, from Michael. Michael's going to talk to us about his life. See, in Michael's life, he'll tell us he's come across Christians who weren't at their best, but listen to why he's convinced that God is still worth it. It's, it's because of Jesus. We'll take a look at the video. <laughs> 